Hey everybody, welcome to the top of the show, show notes with me, your favorite host, Brian McWilliams. Now, I think I'm going to use this time at the top of the show to endorse a new podcast that I am doing with John Odermatt and everyone's favorite legal authority, Rico, called Bravo and Beer. Now, Bravo and Beer is a podcast that focuses on trash hole reality television because we've been sucked into this world by our wives. And then I think we sucked Odermatt and Rico and I out of uh, Schadenfreude. But it turns out it's fun to talk about. It's fun to mock. It's fun to make fun of. So there's a non-political podcast, but hilarious as always. And if you're a fan of the Alliance of Liberty Pride show, Degenerate Gamblers, which is coming back soon, you will absolutely love this. A lot of storytelling, a lot of jokes, a lot of mockery. So uh, check that out. Bravo and Beer on iTunes, anywhere else you can find it as well. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. For you to go out into the world COVID time Authoritarian dictat over every boy and every girl COVID time One last call for alcohol So finish your whiskey or beer COVID time you just have to stay home. Your freedom doesn't live over here. I know who they wanted to stay home. I know they want to monitor your phone. I know government making the loan trillions in loans. COVID. Time, time for you to go back to the places you're hiding in. COVID time, this country won't be open until your civil disobedience kicks in. So gather up your jackets, it's time to make a racket. I hope you have found some balls. No more COVID time Every new beginning comes from the ruling elitist end I say fuck staying home alone I say freedom's cost is what I own I say government can suck my ain't no No lyrics during this part. It's just a good part of the song, and I want to hear it. Sharing it with you all. Mm, it's gonna kick up, minute. It's gonna kick your face off. <laughs> Wait for it. Mm, here it is. 
Tattle. Welcome, welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 185. Hope you all enjoyed my song, inspired by the fact that once again, California is locked down. All our restaurants are forced to shutter unless they have outdoor seating. Of course, there's some interesting little makeshift uh, dinerias. <laughs> Diner. You can see why dinerio would not have uh, caught on as a, <laughs> as a phrase. <laughs> hey, do you guys got dinerio? Um, anyway, my wife and I went out and, uh, and went to the mall for the last time. In, the, in God knows how long, you know, until we were able to go again. I literally went to buy some stuff, got some baby clothes, got some food at a mall called the Delamo Gallery, no, the Delamo Fashion Center. And while in there, the store, uh, one of the store owners was like, yep, buy it now because we're being forced to shut down again, shutting down the entire mall because Gavin Newsom is a douchebag imbecile, a leftist douchebag imbecile. But anyway... Um, that is what it is. You know, I, I talked about COVID last week. I'm not going to go crazy on it again this week, but first things first, before I get into other topics, we have to talk about Joe Jorgensen, right? Uh, I just, you know, it, again, I, you know, I'm a little behind the curve here because these things, I swear to God, these things always pop up right as I am finishing a show rather than you know, right before I do it. So I'm always a little bit late coming to, to some of these tweets, but Joe Jorgensen, the candidate for president for the Libertarian Party, just has gone down the hackiest, hack shit, pandering fuckhole of Black Lives Matter support that you could ever see. And, you know, it's like some people I can see why they're like, well, you know, we need to reach out and this is a this is a movement right now. It's a cultural phenomenon and we need to get behind it and make sure that that we support it. OK, let me give you my take on that. Actually, let me tell you what she tweeted out first, just in case you don't know what she had said. It was a simple, stupid statement. Quote, it is not enough to be passively not racist. We must be actively anti-racist. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Hashtag Vote Gold. Of course, this is on Twitter. Now, I know there's some good people working on our social media campaign, but this smacks of Sarwarkian idiocy trying to pander to people that in no way, shape, or form will ever consider the libertarian movement. The woke left, the Black Lives Matter people, are not going to consider libertarianism if we adopt this broad-based, pandering nonsense of being, quote, actively anti-racist. Now, let me tell you, I don't... <laughs> I don't have a problem with people saying we shouldn't be racist. I don't have a problem with the Libertarian Party says, look, we support black lives and we support doing whatever we can to curb programs, curb systematic racial injustice, which I acknowledge exists within the criminal side of things, the justice side of things. Um, I talk about it the last five shows. So I'm not going to bore you talking about it again. If you if you missed me talking about it, listen to any of the past Five shows, I think I've gone through the exact same listing of the cause and effect and how there is, in fact, systematic racism within certain sectors. But instead of saying, look, let's address the underlying causes, instead, it's hashtag Black Lives Matter. And again, hashtag Black Lives Matter says you support that organization and its goals. 
as I said last show, its goals as listed are probably some of the most anti-libertarian platforms that you could have. It's even worse than the Democratic Party, if we're being perfectly honest, because they are openly Marxist. They have actually I'll read later in the show if I if I remember a letter that one of the leaders of Black Lives Matter, one of the one of the state leaders had posted this whole diatribe about how white uh, whiteness is a genetic defect and how that we're you know, a virus and that black you know, whiteness is just a virus mutation of blackness and you know, just the most atrociously racist shit. And if a white person had posted it, they would have been run out. They never would have worked again. They would have immediately fired. They would have immediately be branded for the rest of their existence as a racist. But this woman's out here just, just spouting horrible, horrible things about an entire race of people. So that's what hashtag Black Lives Matter says that they support. And really, though, the problem I have with this is I could understand at least partial pandering with the hashtag and pandering to the the broader Black Lives Matter movement, which as libertarians, we can support 50% of, of what it's about without the Marxism, without the uh, all the other things they're trying to wrap into it. But to say that you have to be actively anti-racist is really what pisses me off about this tweet. Because when you're saying you have to be actively anti-racist, there's only one way to make that happen. And it's by violating the NAP. If you're going to say you have to be actively anti-racist, explain to me how you're going to do that while still maintaining the non-aggression principle. Because you are are specifically saying, if you're being active, that you have to do that in one way and one way only. And that's through the use of force. That's through the use of regulation. That's through the use of of coercion and punishment. And that is anti-libertarian to the fucking core. Passively not racist, great. Everybody should be not racist. I'm a huge advocate for anything that's going to curb racism in its its stated form of believing that one race or generation of people is better than another one and taking violent action against them, right? and, And again, I believe that you should be able to discriminate as you like in your personal life. You can discriminate as you like. I might not be for it. I may not believe what you believe. I do not believe in racism. I do not believe that one type of people is better than another one based upon genetics. But when you're saying that you have to be actively anti-racist, you're talking about literally putting regulations in place that would enforce that. How else you can be actively anti-racist unless you're going out and affecting the life and affecting other people and trying to instill your beliefs and your point of view via use of force or coercion. There's no way to do it. There's no way to be active in that way without doing it, especially coming from somebody that's running for president to head the state, to decide policy positions. There's no way to do it. It literally doesn't make sense. It is a fucking libertarian paradox to say actively anti-racist. And it makes me furious. Now, Jorgensen followed up this tweet by saying, Hashtag Black Lives Matter means standing in solidarity with the mourning black community as we fight together to end qualified immunity, immunity, police brutality, sentencing disparities, and the war on drugs. Not support of any, quote, organization of that name. So at least she followed it up after getting massive backlash from people. She followed it up with that message, right? Lovely. The problem is the original message is still out there. The original message got 9.6 thousand likes and 4,000 retweets and 6,000 responses. 
The follow-up got 3.7 thousand likes, 985 retweets, and 1.5 thousand responses. Which one do you think's going out there? Which one do you think people are seeing? Because it's not the response that couches it. And you still use the same hashtag, Black Lives Matter hashtag. So if you're going to do it, do it right the first time. What do they say? Measure twice, cut once. Not spew bullshit once and then make five other fucking cuts to try to fix the, the issue that didn't have to exist in the first place. And which is fundamentally incorrect from a libertarian perspective. Okay, that's my rant about Joe. I'm hoping they learned their lesson. I'm not yanking my support yet. Although, who knows? Kanye? Kanye, what are you doing out there, my man? What's going on? I got to see what you're, what's shaking out here. But uh, yeah, that just <laughs> pissed me off. Okay, let's move on to some other topics. And hopefully, my audio levels aren't fluctuating wildly, by the way, here, because unbeknownst to me, for no goddamn fucking reason, I can explain maybe just the shittiness of my computer. And as mentioned, we are going to be getting the three of us en masse new computers so that we don't have to deal with the myriad audio technical uh, issues that we have from using old computers to this podcast. But maybe from my piece of shit computer, maybe from some glitch, but my microphone just randomly decides it's going to reset its own volume. And I don't realize it when I start to record the show, but then I record a whole thing and then I'll be goddamned if I'm going to go back and re-record that entire diatribe about Joe Jorgensen. So hopefully <laughs> in post, it all gets evened out. Anyway, all right, let's get back into the topics here, as I mentioned. Uh, so I talked about how fucking leftist douchebag moron Gavin Newsom has once again locked down California. I guess it's somewhat county by county, but statewide, all indoor restaurants are shut down as are, you know, a few different other places. He's just going the pure authoritarian route as we knew he would once again. And his reasoning for this is that we've seen a spike in COVID cases. Now, meanwhile, as I discussed last show, the death rate is not. The death rate is still low and it's declining. So we have a spike in cases, right? A spike in tested Results and cases coming back, which, you know, would make obvious sense considering the fact that so many people are getting tested, so many more tests are available, and so many more people are going back to work, or at least they fucking were going back to work, and were forced or required, however you'd like to say, by their employers to get tests in order to go back to work. I'm understandably pissed off. I am perturbed, as you would say. And what perturbs me, good word, perturb, word of the day, uh, what perturbs me even further is seeing posts from friends and acquaintances, always on the left, naturally, but friends and acquaintances saying along the lines of, well, this is why we can't have nice things. L- like, we, like we had broken this, this lovely toy we've been given rather than going back to work when it's required to fucking exist and live and maintain sanity and, ex- and exist as humans. But it's a along the theme of, this is why we can't have nice things. Or this asinine article on Yahoo News. Oh, I'm sorry, it's from the Los Angeles Times. Of course it's from the Los Angeles Times. <laughs> of course it is. By some imbecile named Marielle Garza. 
California is back on coronavirus lockdown, and we have no one to blame but ourselves. Okay, so, you know, you pretty much get the gist of what old Marielle is trying to sell us here, which is, of course, that shame on California for daring to go outside and take advantage of the opportunity to live like human beings again. When we've been denied basic rights, basic necessities, basic ways of making a living, and uh, and basic ways of interacting as people do, we have no one to blame for ourselves for not eschewing that and fucking hiding in our hobbles. Let me read you a little bit of what this absolute dipshit has to say. Here we go again. California's back on coronavirus lockdown, and we have no one to blame but ourselves. When the harshest of initial pandemic closures lifted around Memorial Day, many Californians seemed to think the danger from the novel coronavirus was over and rushed out to make up for three terrible months of quarantine. We partied, we protested, we patronized salons and stores, and too often we did so without maintaining a safe distance from others or wearing a face mask. Businesses ignored infection control rules in large numbers, and some county sheriffs refused to endorse the rules. And of course, surprise, surprise, the virus took advantage of our lower defenses. Okay. Now, let me point out a few fallacies in this dipshit's narrative. Number one, this this motherfucker has no idea who wore a mask, who didn't. What businesses uh, maintained infection control rules and who didn't? Let me tell you, for example, during this whole lockdown... I went to uh, an establishment where I know the owner twice in a small group with other friends. We even had masks on going in at that point too. The, you know, the staff had masks on. But again, this is just to try to keep the lights on. And you know what? None of us got COVID. I've been to that establishment several other times. And I'll tell you, people were wearing masks. They were enforcing it. They're open right now. They built a patio just to be able to have business going. When you go inside, they ask you to wear a mask. Then they say, okay, now you got to go back outside again. Everywhere else I've gone, the supermarket, the Costco, barbershops, and not that I'm going to the barbershop, my bald ass. So, you know, I could use a little Brazilian downstairs, but the gym, wherever, wherever I might be going, everyone had a mask on. Businesses were doing all of the mandated, you know, fucking security theater bullshit that we've come to expect from government mandated uh, idiocy. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's wearing it. If you're outside, people aren't necessarily wearing masks. But again, there has been zero evidence to suggest that being outside has led to anyone contracting the virus. There still is zero evidence of that. But this ass clown is saying that, oh, well, obviously everybody was out there just flaunting the rules. They were making out. They were spitting in each other's eyeballs. They were licking ears. They were fucking butts. All without masks on. All without obeying the safe distance. And again, social distancing, unproven. Unproven based literally on a science fair project from fucking some military guy's uh, daughter like 10 years ago unproven, untested until this very pandemic. And if you look at uh, different areas who did a lockdown and did social distancing versus those that didn't, zero difference. Statistically, zero difference. 
But this fucking idiot is going to tell me that we have done this to ourselves and we are to blame for going out and being exceptionally careful doing it. Meanwhile, I don't see any mention of the fucking hundreds of thousands of people who went out there. No, nope. Oh yeah, no, not once in this article. But you know, he blames the people that went and got a tattoo or went to Pilates because those people are easy to blame, right? Because those people are selfish. It's very selfish to go out and go to a Pilates class. It's so selfish to get your hair cut, even though you might have to be on fucking Zoom calls and maybe you don't want to do look like shit all day. Maybe you want it for your mental health so you're not depressed and hang yourself in a closet. But no, those people are so selfish. We're all so selfish. We have only ourselves to blame for this. Hundreds of thousands of protesters are out in the streets, fucking neck to neck, on top of each other, screaming and yelling and protesting. Not a mention in this story. Wonder if Los Angeles, one of the hotspots, has anything to do with that. But no, let's blame the bars, let's blame the restaurants. Let's pretend that nobody is doing it. Let's pretend that we're not all walking around with our fucking faces covered all the time, terrifying babies and elderly alike. Except, of course, you know, if you're in certain cities, black people don't have to wear that because then, you know, that would be threatening and having a, embodying a, a black stereotype or something like that. I, I can't remember the exact rationale of whatever dipshit governor and whatever dipshit state or city it was. Uh, excuse it as, as as COVID doesn't matter if you're black because that'll look like racial profiling to, to wear the mask. This is this is the logic. This is the logic of the left. And naturally, this guy also talks about the fact that, oh, well, hospitalizations have really gone up along with the cases and with the death rates low now and declining, but everybody says it's going to go up. We're sure it's going to go up. It hasn't been going up. Hasn't been. Not in any state. Not even the states that have had higher infection rates and have had hospitals get fuller. They still have their death rate going down. Georgia's an example. Uh, Florida still hasn't had mass die-offs. Texas hasn't had mass die-offs. The reason, of course, is something that these people also mock. They mock the fact that if you tell them more testing equals more cases. More cases of people that have it equals more people going to the hospital. And also just the fact that more people are going to the hospital in general. Not just for COVID. I I talked about this last episode. Something like 30% are COVID. The rest of them are not. There's only so many beds available. Understandably so. But the people that are going in, they're also not elder. The people that are getting infected with these cases are predominantly under the danger zone. They're under the the 60 and plus level. I think they're 55 and under all of them. And again, why is this? Because these people are the ones that have been out. They're getting it. They're going to work. They're getting, you know, they're getting tested. A lot of them, I said something like the recent stats, 44% are asymptomatic. The rest of them are going in to get tested. They're probably fucking panicking. They're going to the hospital because not everybody goes to the doctor. They show up at the hospital. Oh, the case is blowing up. It's the end of the world again. It's never not the end of the world with these fucking people. Never. Just aggravating. So, you know, fuck this moron. Fuck anybody that tells you that it's your fault that you were careless and you were stupid for going out and trying to live your life when you were finally, by the the mighty hand of the government, finally taking George Floyd-esque, taking the the goddamn knee off your neck. Because you finally went out and got a haircut 
that you've doomed us all again and that you deserve to be locked in your fucking house. Fuck this shit. It's time for civil disobedience, period. And also they closed churches. How? It's literally unconstitutional. The amount of lawsuits that are going to be coming after California is going to be absurd. And if I didn't know they're going to fuck my ass with taxes to pay for it and jack me on every single possible tax they can to pay for all the lawsuits and all the losses that they're incurring right now by shutting the state down and infringing on people's right to to practice their religion. And it's just so ridiculous. But here's something even more ridiculous than that. Actually, no, it's not. It's not more ridiculous. I don't even know why I said that. It's not. Before this entire COVID era, Seattle and Kashama Sawant, Kashama Sawant, uh, the socialist council member in Seattle, them bringing the fucking Amazon tax to vote and passing it would have been the most insane thing that I've seen a city do. Before COVID and before, uh, you know, Los Angeles County and the city of Los Angeles went truly authoritarian ape shit. But now, seven to two, council vote for a payroll tax on larger businesses. And I think it was something, this, this article, which shame on them. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Two years ago, a, uh, it repealed a head tax. This, is, this was repealed because I believe it was ruled unconstitutional. I don't know how they passed it this time. They must have made some sort of little tweaks but a council passed a head tax on businesses with more than $20 million in annual gross revenue in the face of opposition. But it was recalled. Now it's been passed again. And I guess somehow they feel that this newly passed increase, which is called, quote, Jumpstart Seattle, would raise $214 million by taxing businesses with more than $7 million in annual payroll, 0.7% for every employee earning at least $150,000 and 1.4% for those making more than 500000 So it sounds to me like these people lowered the threshold for fucking over the business ban. So now if you make over $7 million, which by the way, $7 million is not a big business. That's probably something, well, at least in Los Angeles, if you got $7 million, you're probably talking somewhere around 40 employees. And of that, maybe... 30% of them would be upper tier. But then again, in Seattle, a lot of people probably do make over 150000 just because of the cost of living is so high there. So they're basically telling every business there, fuck you. We don't care about what you've brought to the city. We don't care about the jobs that you've created. We're just going to gouge you. And it's couched in this, of course, ridiculous Marxist language. Here we go. <laughs> Ms. Sawant framed the payroll tax increase as part of a larger social struggle, saying we are coming to dismantle this deeply oppressive, racist, sexist, violent, utterly bankrupt system of capitalism, this police state. We cannot stop and will not stop until we overthrow it and replace it with a world based on solidarity, genuine democracy, and equality, quote, or dash, a socialist world. I'm just flabbergasted at how deep into that hole of ignorance you have to dive, wherein you really honestly view capitalism as a deeply oppressive, racist, sexist, violent, utterly bankrupt system in comparison to a socialist world, which is not democracy in any way, by the way. Socialism is quite the opposite. We all know what happens with socialism. It's happened every single time, wherein powerful elite seize control. They control the population. They control the punk, the, the uh, means of production. They control the monetary funds and they control the currency, always devaluing it and basically causing it to collapse on itself. 
And capitalism is the only one that's actually provided people with a means of getting ahead when they're not born into that elite, giving them a chance to compete and grow and raise their social status. How, Seattle? How do you live with these people? Oh, yeah. Coffee, coffee, coffee. We can and do consume quite a bit of coffee in my household, and we can get a coffee sponsor. And actually, we do have one. So that is Lorenzotti Italy. Now, Lorenzotti Italy is a great bean for if you want just a regular cup of coffee. It's a great bean for espresso because actually the way this came about, the genesis of this thing was that a couple of libertarians moved to Utah. I guess the utopians don't know how to make any goddamn coffee up in that piece. So what they ended up doing was saying, you know what? Let's start a business. Let's import. Let's go to Italy. Let's get, let's figure out this whole situation. Get us some good Italian beans that we know are roasted up high quality. Start importing them and start our own company, which is how Lorenzotti Italy got, got formed and got started. Also, they are working with entrepreneurs, people that want to start coffee businesses. They're working with coffee houses. They're leasing equipment. They're consulting on coffee businesses. It's really a fantastic libertarian story of success. And they happen to be supporters of the show. And you can go to Lorenzotti.coffee. That's Lorenzotti, L-O-R-E-N-Z-O-T-T-I.coffee. And by using promo code LIONS, you can get 10% off of your order. And make sure to order two tins, by the way, because you get free shipping if you order two of the tins. And it don't make no sense to pay for shipping at five bucks. Easier just to pay for uh, two tins at 11 bucks a pop. And by the way, you may be thinking, oh, this is going to be some coffee that's uh, $20 a tin. No, it's like 11 bucks. Just the same amount as going to the store. So support us, support Libertarian Podcasting, and support Libertarian Businesses. Go to Lorenzotti.coffee today, promo code LIONS. And that way you can start your day with a roar. Now, the thing about this, too, that really pains me is that, well, Seattle, without a doubt, is comprised of the idiots and assholes that I always talk about. The fact that these council members exist and they're voting this way shows you that many of the people in Seattle who are trying to vote or are taking the time to vote are idiots and assholes with no concept of economy, uh, real equality, or how a market system benefits everyone who's participating in it. And really, I would say they're going to get what they deserve. And granted, the people in power there will get the, what they deserve. They will 100% be ousted once, once businesses flee Seattle, and they will in mass. Do you think Amazon's going to stay there and eat that? There's no fucking way. And, and as we saw with New York and all these other states, people will be lining up to service them, lining up to give them an opportunity to come into that state and provide those jobs and, and provide that, that level of income. Because you don't have to tax them out the ass. You're still getting taxes from everybody that's employed there. You're getting taxes from the business on a local level. You don't need to gouge them to for this, I mean, showmanship. It's a three-wing circus. But instead of Barnum and Bailey out there barking, you've got this fucking idiot Sarwart or whatever the fucker name is yapping on about socialism and equality when what she's going to cause is economic collapse of that city. Amazon probably employs, I'd, I'd say, tens of thousands of people there considering how big that hub is. All those people are going to lose their jobs and there's not going to be anything there to replace it. They're going to be on the on the rolls for unemployment. They're going to be homeless. Seattle's already got a massive problem with unemployment and homelessness. 
They're already spending hundreds of millions of dollars and laughably to address the homeless issue, which is one of the things they want to use this tax on. They're spending something, again, like $400, $500 million a year on it. It does nothing. And people are starting to wake up to it. So these fucking council assholes are going to be out on their asses soon enough. This socialist bitch is going to be out there, hopefully sleeping in shit on the sidewalk. So she learns just how great socialism is. And hopefully these people that are that are fucked here, that are out of a job, hopefully they do find another place to live. Hopefully they can move. Hopefully Amazon offers and says, hey, you know what? We're going to be saving so much money by not being in Seattle. We'll help you move. Here you go. We'll give you $1,000 per employee to help with your moving costs, your, re- your relocation costs, because that's going to still save us probably $20 million a year by getting away from these idiots. So... I hope to see that happen, and soon. All right, next story. Vermont is following in the footsteps of cities run by people that have no clue how to run cities, such as San Francisco and Seattle, the aforementioned Seattle, in imposing a food scrap ban on everyone in the state. If it was once part of something alive, like a plant or animal, it does not belong in the landfill. Officials stay on the state's website. People are now going to be required, as of July 1st, to either compost on their own property, take it to a, uh, I guess a compost facility, or to pay somebody to come and pick it up. So, of course, two out of three of those cost money. And one could argue that the first one also costs money because you have to buy a composter. And of course, on top of that, what is your time worth? That you now have to spend your time going out, filling the composter, taking care of the composter. And I think, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, my farming friends out there, but isn't compost also somewhat explodable? I mean, it it produces gases just as this food breaks down in the cylinder. Can't they explode? Can't they actually cause damage if they're not properly maintained and taken care of? It's just another example of, you know, these great visions of, oh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cut landfills by 20% by doing this. Meanwhile, it seems to me that it's going to break down naturally. And they're saying that the big worry is methane gas because, you know, the boogeyman of global warming. We have to make sure that we avoid anything that's going to lead to global warming, environmental impact. But it seems to me that if people want to compost, you could encourage them to do so. You could encourage them by saying, you know, maybe you get a tax break if you're going to compost rather than imposing this, hey, you're going to be a criminal if you don't. And we're going to tax you and fine you if you don't and force you into submission under our boot heel, because we have a vision that we want to cut down on the amount of food scraps thrown away because we believe that the boogeyman of climate change is going to come get us in, you know, indeterminate future that could be anywhere from 10 years if you believe the hype from AOC and the other people that read the uh, intergovernmental report wrong, oh, to, I don't know, a hundred years from now, if you're a, a really, uh, you know, a climate alarmist that takes more of a positive outlook on life. I just, I can't stand this shit. I mean, literally, they're going to go around and, and police people. You're going to have neighbors. They're going to encourage, you know, they're going to do this. They're going to encourage neighbors to rat on neighbors. If you see somebody throwing out a pork rind, say something. And of course, they're going to have food cops. They're going to have trash cops. They're going to have people. They should make the cops that go through your fucking trash dress up like raccoons. Then I'd be behind it. There you go. You hear me? You hear me, Los Angeles? Do you hear me, Gavin motherfucking leftist dickhead Newsom? If you make the police, 
that go through the trash, dress up like raccoons, I'll start composting. That that's the trade-off and I'll accept nothing less. All right, bibbidi-bobbidi-boop, going to keep bopping around. Uh, How about China? Talking about ridiculous legislation. So China obviously imposed a new security bill and security measures on Hong Kong, which have been widely rejected by the populace there. But of course, under cover of COVID, China has been able to get away with far more transgressions and uh, human rights infractions in regards to China and clamping down on all the protests there because COVID's forcing people to stay in their homes. They're scared to go out. And also the rest of the world is distracted. So while everybody's saying, hey, China, thanks for this Wuhan flu, they're like, ah, yeah, yeah, you worry about the Wuhan flu. We'll be over here kicking Hong Kong ass. So that's what's happening. And the security law that's been put into place basically bans protesting, bans people, uh, you know, lighting the government flag on fire, bans speaking out against it. And here's what's extra fucked up is that they put in an article That is, let me see, what's the article called? Article 38 of the National Security Law states, quote, This law shall apply to offenses under this law committed against Hong Kong's special administrative administrative region from outside the region by a person who is not permanent resident of the region. And this is in regards to speaking negatively about the state of Hong Kong or speaking out about, about the government of Hong Kong. So they're literally expanding their law and their legal definition of what free speech is and whether or not you can express an opinion on Hong Kong internationally and saying that should you come to Hong Kong after saying something in your home country or in international waters where you're taking part in a monkey knife fight, he ain't so beautiful no more. Should you then go to Hong Kong and set foot there, you can now be prosecuted. And they may arrest you. And there's a, an example of this uh, in mainland uh, China, wherein a Chinese student at the University of Minnesota was sentenced to six months in prison after returning home to China for the summer after he tweeted criticizing Xi Jinping that he posted while in the U.S. I mean, this is absolutely insane. Now, this is an article from Axios, and they say the Chinese officials have threatened people of Chinese heritage abroad who are no longer citizens, and it says, in some cases, kidnapping them and taking them back to China and forcing them to renounce their citizenship so authorities can prosecute them as Chinese nationals. I don't see a reference for that, and I'm going to call that bullshit because I feel like, uh, you know, that would probably get a little more attention if China was going around and kidnapping people to take back to China and making them relinquish their foreign citizenship just so they can prosecute them as Chinese nationals. But the, the earlier part, though, does hold true that if that Article 38 says what, it's, what people think it says and other experts in Chinese and international law have agreed the interpretation of the law, is China trying to apply their definition of this law to everyone in the world so that they can protect free speech or they can, I should say, condemn free speech in regards to anything Hong Kong related as they continue to crack down and impose Chinese rule over what was an autonomous region that was supposed to have its own, uh, at least somewhat autonomous government in order to keep the, the commerce there, to keep the trade there, to keep finance there. And Hong Kong is very quickly, I think, going to go downhill quick, um, which is really sad to see because as a, a center of commerce like that, uh, and a center of business and a center of freedom, essentially in that region, it is really depressing to see. And uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. And no one's going to do anything about it. So no one's going to go to war over it. And, and nor would I advocate for that. I've said this before, frankly, you know, while I can express my angst about it, while I can speak out about it, while I can cry it and, and say that it's a, a horrible thing that's happening, I still don't think the United States should impose any sanctions or economic warfare or uh, military action of any shape or form. I don't think we should be sailing aircraft carriers over by that, that Hong Kong region. It's not my business, man. Not my part of the world. Those people need to rise up on their own, take care of the business on their own. If they're not going to do it, that's their problem. All right, what's next on the Wheel of Destiny? Oh, let's talk about Oprah Winfrey and Lionsgate teaming up to bring the New York Times fictional 1619 project to TV and film. I don't know if they're planning a Roots-esque style uh, rollout of this, but if you know anything about the 1619 project and you're not just a sycophant of the left, you know that 1619 is completely fictionalized history. It attempts to rewrite the narrative of the United States, the motivations, and basically everything that rolled out about the United States to tie it into being based and solely based around slavery, the successes built off slavery, the uh, all the founders, uh, horrible slave owners, and uh, with no, no redeeming qualities, etc. So that, of course, has been basically labeled as false, absolutely categorically false, not just by historians at Breitbart.com, but from historians that are vastly left. And I think probably most historians might fall in that region anyway, um, you know, as being the academia nerds that have always been in academia, but have come out and overarchingly have said, this is false, demonstrably, provably false. But that hasn't stopped the Times from winning a Pulitzer Prize. Uh, Hannah Jones, uh, the last name, I, I can't remember the, the chick's first name, is she won. Oh, Nicole Hannah Jones had won a Pulitzer Prize for it, despite all of the factual inaccuracies. And now I do wonder if they are going to present this in a fashion where they're going to roll out this big project. But I sincerely hope that it says at the very start, based upon fictional events and any relation to actual persons in the past, present, or future is purely coincidental because that would be some semblance of honesty, at least in that project. All right, next topic. How about this one? Talking about uh, interesting takes on, uh, on reality, going from the 1619 project through to Orwell, right? And this is kind of fascinating is that I guess George Orwell is now being called for cancellation after a left-wing journalist said that he was a vile man that aided the Nazis with his strident criticism of Stalinist Russia. Here's this, uh, this Jagoff commentary. And of course, this guy is named Ben Norton, who I think I've actually heard of before. Yeah. I've, I've heard, definitely heard of this guy before. I can't remember what, what I remember him from, but he must have been from a different publication than he's at now. But he says, in addition to being a government snitch, fraud George Orwell spent World War II demonizing the USSR as it defeated Nazism. Now, what's really funny is that at the same time, saying that the USSR is evil, considering the fact that they were in fact murdering vast amounts of their own citizenry, 
that Stalin was a monster that may have killed more people in his own country than Hitler killed the Jews, which I think is actually uh, factually accurate. And that, I mean, this is famously, again, it was, you know, shooting at his own troops for trying to retreat. This guy's saying that as the Red Army sacrificed millions fighting Hitler, and as the Nazi regime shoved Jews into gas chambers, Orwell was writing Animal Farm. Vile man. I can't even fucking believe the shit that I am reading. He says that Orwell wanted to take away the free speech of communists. Now, I don't recall Orwell ever saying that no one should speak freely. I do remember reading Animal Farm. I do, of course, remember reading 1984. I've read it several times. Arguing against a philosophy is not censoring it. Calling for it to be defeated is not censoring it. Calling people out for the atrocities they've committed is not censoring free speech. That is expressing yourself and talking about fact fact-based knowledge from the past and then presenting it in a format that can be easily digested and is somewhat entertaining for the populace. This fucking shithead apparently has a large following, this Ben Norton, and is saying that somehow free speech is being impinged. At the same time, I guarantee you this leftist fuck is going out of his way. Again, he's trying to cancel George Orwell. He's trying to stifle his ability to have his words heard even well after his death. He's trying to, I guarantee, quiet anybody who dares to come against the vast, unprovable concept that is the glorious socialist nation, which, of course, has never, ever succeeded in the history of humanity. And in the most hypocritical move possible, try to cancel a man for allegedly, according to your interpretation, trying to cancel the philosophy or the free speech of what you would advocate, which, of course... This guy's basically defending Stalinism and communism under Stalin, which just blew out maybe, I don't even know how many people. It's got to be tens of millions, I think, is the, the official tally. It's just, wow, man. Just wow. I mean, the rewriting of history is one of the great atrocities that is going on within culture, within the way in which we communicate. It is fascinating. And, and you can see why somebody like this, just like the 1619 Project, you could see why somebody like this would really want to cancel Orwell. Because if anything, 1984 is a book that would directly attack what these Marxists are trying to do. I and mean, Karl Marx himself said that history was the, uh, the opponent. And if you, if you could rewrite history, then you were free to do anything. I mean, he's following in Marx's footsteps. He's literally trying to enact what Marx had done or what Marx said needed to be done and then went on to do in Russia by attacking Orwell, whose book points out exactly this tactic. It's, I mean, it's not even, it's not even trying to pretend anymore. It's just blatantly out there. And people are liking this and buying into this. It is maddening. And again, why I've been arguing for everybody getting canceled, everybody getting shut down so that people like this are so afraid to peek their heads out with this fucking nonsense without somebody smashing it with a fucking shovel of, of cancellation knowledge that we can be free to move forward, that we can be free to come out of our dark caves, not our COVID caves, mind you, we're still stuck in those for now, but we can come out of our cancel bunkers and start to actually dialogue and discuss ideas and not have to worry about imbeciles trying to cancel you because you dared to criticize Stalin, of all people. I mean, magnificent. It's almost, it's almost so, so crazy that I almost think that it's a it's like a short play that this guy's performing.
It's a one-man show. My idiocy in three acts. Magnificent. All right, next up, people are pissed off about Donald Trump commuting Roger Stone's prison sentence. I'm not going to do too much on this. It happened. Good for Roger Stone. Good for Donald Trump. It was a fucking sham. It was a kangaroo court. It was insane. It was by, by definition illegal because for sure people from the deep state had leaked information to CNN in advance of his becoming uh, or in advance of his midnight super raid to take an old man to prison accused of white collar crimes. Uh, yeah, good. Glad he's out. Hopefully Odie can get him on felony Friday soon. I know we're reaching out now. Fingers crossed. Moving on. Uh, how about, oh, we talked about CNN uh, briefly before. How about CNN announcing a new and expanded team to focus on, quote, institutional racism? Yes, CNN President Jeff Zucker informed employees Monday that the cable news network plans to launch a new and expanded team to shed a light on the growing movement against institutional racism. Quote, I could not be prouder of the impactful work that CNN has done in every platform, especially in the last several weeks, covering race and industrial, racial injustice in America. Our reporting has been powerful, 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 emotional, and helped to shed a light on the growing movement against institutional racism. Uh, yeah, that movement that you have ginned up uh, with nonsense? Yeah. Today, I'm pleased to announce we are making an even more significant, sustained commitment to ensure race coverage is, as per, is a permanent part of our journalism. Now, naturally, and sorry about the flubbing that. I'm like, I just ate dinner. Maybe my Ed Ramen, maybe my slurping of the noodles is slurping out these words for me. I keep flubbing up my, uh, I mean, I was, the <laughs> red leather, yellow leather, red, yellow leather, leather, yellow leather. The journalist, no, wait, no, the arsonist had oddly shaped feet. Um, new, <laughs> uh, anyway, enough anchor man. Um, I mean, for fuck's sake. How much more can CNN cover race baiting bullshit? I mean, you've got Don Lemon doing it 24 hours a day, screaming at Terry Crews. You've got any story that crosses the horizon involving a person of color. Uh, and, and sometimes you've got stories that are covered by CNN, wherein people that got hit were Black Lives Matter protesters that were white. And they go out of their way to talk about the car that hit the people being a luxury car, like a Mercedes, and not mention the fact that the guy driving the car was black. How much more race shit can you do? And ensure race coverage is a permanent part of our journalism? No, fuck. No, fuck. All you're doing is clickbait bullshit. All you're doing is sensation journalism, not based in fact but based in driving people to get pissed off, to tune in, making sure people in airports are getting angry because that's the only people watching your shit shows. But it's like, God damn it, man. Would we be in the state we're in as America without the race baiting going on within the media? Without every story being pushed out there to try to incite violence and hatred and division and divisiveness in the American populace? He's saying this as though this is some great thing. And stupid people are buying it and they're thinking it's a great thing rather than an injustice that's being perpetrated on the entire American populace that's going to harm us as a culture that's going to make people more angry, more sad, more depressed, more violent. Of course, that's just going to lead to more social media echo chambers, more suicides, more random attacks, more rioting, more protesting. Doesn't help anybody. 
These people don't want a cultural revolution. They're not on board with Black Lives Matter for all the fucking posting they do. Because as I said last show, Black Lives Matter is a Marxist movement. It's not about justice for black people. It's about reshaping everything in American culture, about tearing down what has been built here, the greatest experiment, the greatest nation that is around, at least currently to now, quickly going downhill. And for all the shit I talk about it, trying to get back our, our liberties, cr- you know, clutch them to my breast, pearl clutch my liberties, each liberty is a little pearl. As I try to claw them back, it's still acknowledged as one of the best places you could possibly be. But these motherfuckers, they don't want to get back behind Black Lives Matter because they don't want it to get torn down. It doesn't benefit them. What benefits them is keeping everybody angry at each other. And they know that at this point in time, at least, this movement won't succeed. Everybody has too much to lose. But you can still keep poking white people. You can still keep mocking them and telling them that they're evil and playing to the fucking the rabid leftist base to get those few people that keep CNN limping along to tune in. While the rest of us, hopefully, are tuning it out. And I think you're starting to see that quite a bit. I started seeing some uh, statistics lately that said at the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement, people said, you know, well, racial injustice is a massive problem. You know, 70% polled agreed. That's dropping very quickly. The support for Black Lives Matter as a movement is also dropping very quickly. Because, you know, once you get behind rioting and looting and violent actions, people tend to get off board of that. So that's dropped something like, I think, 30% over the course of the last month. Anyway, moving on. God, it's fucking hot in this room. Oh, God. I just got that back of leg sweat. I got fucking the worst swamp. It's all swamp. Oh, well, why don't we stick on the racist kick? How about this one? Who would have seen this coming? A, a uh, kid at Texas A&M reported that a note was put on his windshield. I'm not going to read this whole story verbatim. I don't feel like spending the time to it, but it essentially used the N-word, said, you know, go back where you came from. We don't want your kind N-word. So he turned it into the Texas A&M police because he wanted to get the attention as they all do. And he wanted to be part of the cause, right? Oh, he's like, I'm going to, I know I'm making shit up. It's like Brett Kavanaugh shit. That's like the women who, are, who accused Brett Kavanaugh, one of which dis- definitively said, I made it up because I wanted to hurt him and I felt it was the right thing to do. This kid probably saw these protests and said, okay, I'm going to make this up too because, you know, everybody's a racist. Texas A&M is a lot of white kids. I bet these kids are all racist. I'm going to make sure that they know it's not okay. I'm going to get a lot of attention for this. So, turns in this note that was put on the under the windshield wiper of his car. And again, how somebody, they would have been tracking his car, you know, to know it's a black guy drives that car. I can tell by the license plate. <laughs> it ends in a Z. And I saw it as the black guys. So somebody put this note on it. So he says, oh, but you know what, guy? We live in a CCTV society now, my brother. Turns out people look on CC cameras. They can see who you are, you dumbass. They could see him walk up to his own car with a note put it under the windshield, step back, take some pictures of it, and then post those pictures. What a fucking idiot. So add it to the long, 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 long roster of race hoaxes that we have seen, especially since Donald Trump came to office. That really kicked things up a notch. Um, All right. How about this one? Again, keep it on the race kick. 
Angela Davis, who is a known Marxist, has come out. She did an interview with RT, which is so funny that the leftists all, uh, they were saying RT is, you know, it's just for Trump and they're trying to undermine our, our freedoms and they're you know trying to undermine American society, which, shit, I don't know, maybe they are. I also think RT does some good reporting sometimes. But they had on Marxist Angela Davis. And she's on there saying that she wants to back Biden because he is, quote, the candidate who could be most effectively pressured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, people are really going out of their way to, like, slam her for, for saying that. And people on the right and I think the left as well. But, I mean, is there anything more honest? Isn't that what everybody wants in their candidate? I mean, maybe not libertarians. If anything, we probably want a, a candidate who cannot be pressured. Uh, we want a, a Ron Paul, Dr. No. But for all of these other people out there, with all their wacky, crazy uh, leftist theories that want to tear down the culture and rebuild it and get, you know, get as many perks and benefits and monetary payouts and welfare stimuluses and, you know, got universal health care and universal college. All these people... Of course they want somebody that's easily manipulated. Of course they want somebody that's an old pushover that they can shove and, and prod whenever they, they want to get what they what they feel that they deserve. Of course they want that. I mean, I respect Angela Davis for saying it. I don't respect her point of view particularly, but I mean, shit, it's refreshing to hear some honesty out of the left <laughs> for once. Oh, okay. One, actually two more stories. Uh, the Boogaloo, the Boogaloo. So The Guardian, which of course is just the UK's leftmost leaning paper of, uh, of utter hysterical nonsense, is writing about the Boogaloo and the far right. Now, of course, the Boogaloo is primarily a libertarian movement and also primarily a joke. And as we've seen, the left has completely lost any semblance of a sense of humor. It's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. If you watch The Daily Show, you see what I mean. Or really any tele television created by and for leftists that's pretending to be comedy and is simply uh, support humor. It's agree humor. It's clap because you think that you should clap for the position they're coming from, but it's not particularly clever or funny in any way. This chick, Lois Beckett, uh, has written a art an article, White Supremacists or Anti-Police Libertarians, What We Know About the Boogaloo. So she at least acknowledges that, yes, libertarians are anti-police in a way, but they have really gotten it wrong because she's talking about how Boogaloo experts classify Boogaloo supporters as right-wing or far-right. And <laughs> extreme experts agree that this is far-right because they look at images of the, quote, Boogaloo flag which is sometimes emblazoned with the names of right-wing anti-government martyrs, including Americans killed in inf infamous standoffs with the police at Ruby Ridge and the occupation of Malher National Wildlife Refuge. So again, you're talking about people that were murdered in Waco, right? They draw a line directly from Waco, Waco and Ruby Ridge. So Alex Newhouse, a digital research on terrorism. So again, while nobody's saying that Waco is a, an ideal society, we're talking about the federal government coming in and murdering, burning alive women and children. Shouldn't that be something that you might want to think about? And that Boogaloo supporters see the current federal government as illegitimate while remaining deeply patriotic. I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. And also the Boogaloo boys are right wing 
because they decide to show up with guns to guard private businesses. What? That's a bad thing? How is that not a great thing that libertarians, and they have a picture of armed protesters outside Michigan. One's got a don't try to me hat on. They're standing peacefully holding their guns. Now, somebody had pointed this out. I can't remember who it was, so apologies if you're listening. But how many people died during these, quote, terroristic armed protests that we had to oppose the lockdowns? Oh, that's right. Zero. Nobody died. There was no violent interaction. There was no stores being looted. There were no businesses destroyed. There were no people shot dead. There weren't mass eruptions of violence. There weren't people beaten in the streets. No. No. Calm. Respectful. Just happened to have guns. But to this chick, that means that you're a right-wing lunatic because you might want to come and protest defending your right to the Second Amendment. I mean, it's just... It's amazing to see the interpretations of what the boogaloo is. And again, the boogaloo is definitely, it's a thing tossed around. I've never said it in a serious way in my fucking life. I doubt many of you have either. I mean, yes, you could say that the boogaloo is a, an undercurrent that has come to mainstream as a meme, because at the end of the day, look, we all know that shit can go sideways. There's no point in not being somewhat prepared. I mean, when all these protests were going on, when people are rioting and looting and running down the streets and flipping people's cars and beating the shit out of people, yeah. Was I glad I had my gun? Yep. Was I glad I put, you know, got two clips worth of ammunition? Uh, yeah. Very happy about it. Wish I had more guns. Need to get on that as soon as I can. And to say that in general, society doesn't have some inkling of that, some inkling of, you know, this could all go wrong. We've seen it happen in other countries. We've seen things go bad. We've seen uh, democracies crumble. We've seen civil wars erupt. We helped one happen for fuck's sake in Syria. Why would you not have a little concern? But of course, to the Guardian, the Boogaloo is a terrorist movement. The Boogaloo is a right-wing hatred movement rather than a joke built off of a legitimate concern. Stunning, stunning journalism. Okay, last story. Uh, she could have been our idiot of the week, but we have a better idiot of the week. And by the way, here's a call. If anybody wants to make me a little catchphrase, a little, little song, I would like it. I'll put it out as a competition out there for you guys. You know, I need a five second, 10 second, 15 second little idiot of the week jingle, and I will play it. I'll use it in the show, and I will credit you and sing your praises. So I'll end the show on this, but a museum curator resigned in San Francisco after he's accused of racism because he said he would still collect art from white men. Now, naturally, guess, guess where this is. No, not Seattle. Back to San Francisco. Yes, the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art said the removal of Gary Garrels, parents were not good at naming, was, quote, non-negotiable. This is from Reason Magazine. Now, Gary Garrels was a senior curator of painting and sculpture at the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, or SFMOMA, and he resigned after people put together a petition reading, Gary's removal from SFMOMA is non-negotiable. Considering his lengthy tenure, we ask how long have his toxic white supremacist beliefs regarding race and equity directed his position curating the content of the museum? Question mark. And this, of course, comes after Gary Garrels had made 
the clearly uh, antagonistic decision, a uh, an inexcusable, heinous crime against all minorities, when he concluded a presentation on how to diversify the museum's holdings by saying, quote, don't worry, we will definitely still continue to collect white artists. So the people working there accuse him of being a toxic white supremacist because when talking about art, he thought that they should continue to add white artists, which of course, statistically, 53% of the population of the United States, at least, is white. I don't know if you probably are collecting art from all over the globe. I'm sure that number is far higher in Italy and Sweden and Norway. So to say that you're no longer going to curate any art from white people is somehow an affront to all things equality and humanity and race relations. And these motherfuckers drove him out. And Garrels stepped down. He decided to resign. And here's how he had, uh, he couched it. I do not believe I've ever said that it is important to collect, that it is important to collect the art of white men. I have said that it is important that we do not exclude consideration of the art of white men. And then he also went on, I believe, I thought it's somewhere, oh, this is on a different, I have to click through, but on a, another article on Artnet, uh, he said that uh, he obviously felt that he could no longer stay there. And to that, of course, you have to say, oh, no shit. You know, and he, and he, and he says this is reverse, reverse discrimination, which it, obviously it is. Obviously it is. So he said he's no longer there. You know, he, he can't see uh, staying there. And why would you? Why would you want to stay there after dealing with this fucking bullshit? Quote, I realize in the current climate, I can no longer effectively work at SF MoMA. No, nobody with a realistic view of the world, nobody with reason nor, nor logic um, on their side, nobody with an understanding of what diversity means, nobody with an understanding of history uh, or cultures or how cultural appropriation doesn't exist, for instance, and how you need to have an exchange of ideas and cultures and, uh, and what is produced by those cultures in order to thrive and grow. Well, None of us have a place in current climate culture, which is why we got to burn it to the ground. You cancel everybody and burn it to the ground. We'll dance around far naked with a dingle hanging down. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, clearly got heat stroke. All right. That's going to do it, guys. Hey, at the end of the show, I want to remind you, uh, I'll give a shout out to our buddy uh, Dan Smots over the System is Down podcast, always helping us out with uh, graphics, T-shirts, work for us, logos, all that good stuff. Again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, check out Bravo and Beer. Uh, follow our Twitter. Got 11 followers. Need to get those numbers up. But Bravo and Beer, we're recording episode eight tomorrow night. It is hilarious. I guarantee, even if you do not watch a single minute of reality TV, you will laugh your ass off listening to our show and our recaps and our stories. The Godfather of Liberty, Howie Snowden, listens to every episode. And for to paraphrase his words, I just like to hear you guys bitch about stuff. So check it out. Help me out. Let's grow that podcast as well uh, to thank me for all the good work I do here. And also, guys, 
If you want to go and leave, uh, well, number one, share the show. Please share the show. Tell friends and loved ones about it. Uh, post about it on Twitter. Post it in those, when people say, what's a, what libertarian podcasts are out there? Jump to the top of the list and say the Lions of Liberty podcast. But also, as you know, we have been uh, trying to get more five-star reviews to help our rankings moving up in the algorithms that exist within iTunes. But a Stitcher review is nice, too. Uh, but if you go into iTunes, leave us a five-star review, post a question there. We are going to be answering those. We'll continue to do special shows. We're going to be recording one, I believe, this Thursday, answering questions that were posed to us in those five-star reviews. So go and write one now, ask us uh, what you want to ask us, and we will address that either in the upcoming show or shows down the road. As long as people keep writing us those great reviews, and thank you guys so much for the ones you have written. Uh, whoever wrote the, that they love the cut of my jib, thank you. It's a nice jib. It's all, you know, my parents did get me circumcised, but some of the jib remains. All right, that's it. Thanks, guys. Love you. From Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into liberty.